Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What yeah. did you know? I managed to stay alive for six oh, days. Exactly. I'm going to need it. I'd say it to you, folks. I'll say it to you now. I'm down Twanfield and we'll see them. What you doing down here? You're showing me, man. He went to Greece. He watched Ireland lose 2-1. And he was so annoyed that he didn't come home for two weeks. Rumours spread that he had gone off the grid. That his newfound Buddhism, which he presently suggested would come in useful when covering the Irish men's soccer team, had prompted him to go wandering around Tibet for seven years like his hero, Brad Pitt. But... Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. The prodigal son has returned. Hello and welcome to today's Second Captain Football Podcast. Hello, Ken. Welcome back. I think you're mixing up traditions there. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're pulling from You've all. mixed a few traditions. You well, like no, a Ron, mean, Ron DeSantis campaign video. <laughs> he had Brad Pitt in his one as well. Did he? In, in his Greek role, uh, Achilles. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's All I thought of... It was an interesting choice, actually, given, given that in the movie Troy, uh, Achilles is finally only spurred into, uh, you know, uh, killing Hector and sacking Troy when the Trojans kill um, young Patroclus, who's the, the apple of his eye. Wow. But, you know. He, maybe he didn't read too deeply. Maybe they were, he just thought they were just good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, we missed you though, Ken. It is important to say. Uh, at halftime in the Gibraltar game, I did actually think we were going to have to fly out to Greece to find you. Oh, God. I was watching it. Can you imagine? I, I was watching Were you it. watching? Yeah, I was, yeah. Um, I was watching it, and at, by halftime in that game, I was just, oh, fuck, I've done it again. Yeah. See, you always fight against this, this idea that every time you go on holidays, some gigantic sports story breaks. Mm. But literally, whatever it was, 18 hours into your holiday, Stephen Kenny was and Stephen Kenny's Ireland were nil all with Gibraltar at home. Yeah, the sword of Damocles, I suppose, was was yes, dangling. It was. It dangling. was a dangle. It was. But luckily, uh, things worked out in the second half, and we never had to think about that game ever again. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, even did we have to play five at the back? Was it uh, was it necessary? On reflection, probably. Is it okay if the, so, if the solution is arrived at during the game and things work out? I think that's probably okay. Yeah, that's part of the part of the deal, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I mean, I've already touched. I've already read Bible verses. I've mentioned your Buddhism. Uh, did you? Well, take I, on I, I, I kind of my brief um, Buddhist period came to an end. I mean, as I think I already explained later that same day. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I listened to Stephen Getty's press conference which annoyed me what was it that annoyed me again oh yeah uh, kind of saying we could lose and yeah, yeah. it would still be a little too early to call it. Well, would it though mm. but you know now I've, I've kind of rebounded in confidence a little bit and I'm like well you know why can't we you know if you want to if you want to get to the European Championships you're going to have to beat the best at some point so yeah. why not just go ahead and do that in September mm. uh, that doesn't sound like you brought uh, well maybe it does is, does any Greek philosopher did any Greek philosopher aid you in your journey to this uh, moment of revelation um, <clears throat> oh, I saw the statues of, of Plato and Socrates mm-hmm. outside the Athens Academy Socrates question more wasn't it 
Or is that RT? <sighs> to be honest, you know, I'm not entirely sure. Um, <laughs> or T or Socrates, I don't uh, know. Yeah, it was it was or T. It may it may also have been Socrates. Um, yeah, I went to the Acropolis, of course. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've ever been, but I was. I have been. Tell you what, it's it's big enough. Ah, it's big now. It is. It reminded me of the San Siro. Yeah, it is. It's it's a hell of a. It's it's actually a great setup. I have to say, I really enjoyed the Acropolis now. Mm. I'd yeah. take the Coliseum over it, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't, you know. Well, this is what a lot of people say, yeah. you know, it's not yeah. Italy, is it? You know, but yeah. you've got you've got to concentrate more on on the, the Grecian aspect. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Well, we're, uh, you're, you're barely home, Ken, and you're gone again. This time on official business, however. Uh, you're going to Australia at the end of next week, I think, and you'll be reporting. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. You'll be uh, reporting live from the Women's World Cup for us throughout July. If you want to get six euros a week, then why not think of joining the Second Happens World Service for five euro a month plus fat? We think it's a pretty good deal. So go to secondhappens.com forward slash join. We'd be delighted to have you. Okay, let's, let's report on some sport here, Ken. Well, the big story today, I guess, is a is related to Ireland's Women's World Cup campaign. Yeah. Um, the Athletic publishing a big investigation, uh, as they bill it, about Vera Powell's time as coach of the Houston Dash um, back in 2018. Now, obviously, this isn't the first time uh, that this period of Vera Powell's career has come up and you know has has caused uh, mm. controversy uh we will remember <clears throat> that uh there was a big report that came out i guess december 22 i think it was um which uh was kind of you know into abuse in women's football in the united states generally with vera powell's name came up in this report as a coach who had uh the report said uh, tried to control um, aspects of the players' lives, including food and exercise, had outbursts of yelling, this is quoted from the Atlantic article, and shamed players for their weight. That's a quote from the report. Uh, Vera Pau had described those claims as absolutely ridiculous and false, and that there was no truth in it. The Houston Dash or the team did issue an apology to players past and present who were subject to misconduct, quote-unquote, by Pau. Uh, the FAI, obviously, had looked into it or reviewed the mm-hmm. situation and uh, decided, um, you know, they Virpao continued to enjoy their support, let's say. Uh, as she says in the athletic piece, I responded and they looked at me in the eyes and they saw what it did to me because I'm so different. It's simple standards. If I would have been a male, this never, never would have been an issue. So they um, obviously put out a statement that she, uh, that she would continue to be our manager. Um, she obviously is going to lead the team at the World Cup. So, What's, uh, what's new in the, the piece that was uh, released this morning then? Well, okay, so, I mean, the short answer to that is not a lot that I could see. Um, but what's happened is uh, they have spoken to, uh, I think it's four ex-players and three ex-staff members, mm. uh, who are, none of whom are, are named, you know, they're player A, B, C, D, or player one, two, three, four, you know, A, B, C, D, yeah. staff, A, B, C. And, uh, you know, for they, they didn't want to speak on the record, you know, for fear of, uh, re, uh, as the article says, for fear of retaliation and a desire to keep working in soccer. And then there's anonymous quotes like, day to day, Vera was the worst, most terrible coach I've ever had. Mentally, it was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this with her. Or we were all afraid of her. We had no idea what she was going to do, is another quote. I hated going to practice. I was miserable, says another ex-Dash player. If I had another year like that, I would not be playing professional soccer anymore. So that's kind of the leading things. But obviously, these are kind of people saying this was bad, this was bad, but not really saying what was bad uh, about it. The Athletic uh, say that they, uh, uh, Steph Yang and Sarah Shepard are the two uh, athletic journalists whose uh, who's, who, uh, who's byline... Uh, uh, bylines appear on this uh, piece. So they basically are saying that in April, April 2023, Power approached the Athletic asking a question of her own. Quote, when do you start thinking of the double standards and not only protecting players from coaches, but also coaches from players? So Powell had said this to the Athletic uh, a couple of months back. Um, talks about She talks about her husband uh, coming over in 2018, Bert van Lingen. Uh, to visit her for three, three weeks in Houston. And he apparently said, after five, uh, she says, after five days, he said, Vera, I'm going home and I'm taking you with me because I do not accept the abuse you're getting here. I can't watch this anymore. Um, 
She then uh, said she received a death threat from a member of staff who was angered by her decision to move training sessions from morning to the evening to avoid players training in the heat of the day. Uh, Quote, he threatened to shoot me in the head as I was taking his beer night away, she said. Uh, Powell said she reported it to police, received protection until the matter was was resolved. After that, she said she promised her husband she would not extend her contract for another year. Um, They contacted Houston President Chris Kennedy, who told the athletic uh, I'm not aware of nor do nor do not recall as it says here I'm not aware of nor do not recall any external involvement in this situation which I guess means um, the police the police yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> they also mentioned that Pau has since joined forces with Lord Thomas Newkirk he was calling for the NWSL, the, the league, uh, to investigation to be reopened, saying it was biased against female coaches because perceived standards of behavior are different for men and women. So this guy is basically saying, you know, this wouldn't be held against a, a male coach. You know, say, when if a woman is raising her voice, she's interpreted as screaming. If she's firm, then she's angry. Mm. That interpretation is what creates these complaints. So uh, he's saying this there's implicit bias here which they need to be educated on and so on so the athletic decided uh having seen this that 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 it would be worth going back over it essentially sort of and and hearing from some of the people Mm. there so they then have a a long this is a long article um uh a long article where they kind of go through some of the kind of claims that have been made so they fall into different categories i mean general sort of areas one is to do with how how handle issues around weight and players diets mm. um uh, there's a couple of uh instances of alleged physical physically aggressive behavior um you know g- general sort of control freakery about uh, lots of things you know how training was to be done you know uh, the the kinds of her views on sort of she didn't like weight training and she wanted players to do this and that and if mm. they did something slightly different she'd be annoyed and she didn't like uh, th- these are the the kinds of general things that are being said uh, and then sort of complaints I suppose which would be just about her interpersonal manner which some people found abrasive and so on um, so you know yeah I mean it's it, it one of the uh, the points that Vera raises is this idea of a differing standard for female coaches as mm. opposed to male coaches. And I think that, they, like, that is, a, uh, like, a very interesting kind of fault line in all of this, mm. in that st- still in women's sports, you still see, you know, a huge number of male coaches working in female sport. And, you know, that number is getting smaller, but I'm sure there is, like, a legacy there in wim- in women's team sport that... You know there are there are modes of acceptable behavior for men that, and there's uh, maybe the 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 line here is still a little blurry when it comes to like what actually constitutes you know frontline coaching uh, from a female perspective. I mean, as I'm reading all this, you know, uh, dealing with uh, issues with players' weights like that is something that male coaches have to do with male players all the time. Um, you know the uh, Guardiola gets mentioned by Fair Powell. You know he, he Calvin Phillips. Yeah, I mean he said Calvin Phillips has why is he not why is he on the squad? This is just after the World Cup. They they mm. said why is he not? Reporters like why is he not on the squad? And he's like well he's overweight. Yeah. Came back from the World Cup overweight. That's and in the like, press. That's not that's in the press conference. It's completely yeah. public. Yeah, uh, and uh, and they're like oh well he's overweight. I mean he's been away with England nutritionist. He's like I don't know. I don't know yeah. why. You know, but he won't be considered until he's you know in shape. He's not he's not in condition to to train or to play, so mm. he won't be con- considered until he is. And they're like, oh, you know, what are you saying to Calvin? He's like, oh, it's a private conversation with Calvin. He's going like, yeah. well, <laughs> you've, you've made aspects of it public. Yeah. But you know, that was, I mean, that was uh, that was in every newspaper. You know, it's like Guardiola says Calvin Phillips is is overweight. Mm. You know. So um, and he's getting like uh, slated by opposition fans for the entirety of the year, being called fat. You're too fat to play for Leeds. Being sung at him at Elland Road, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, now, okay. obviously, we, you know, there, there there is a different standard at play when it comes to uh, to female athletes. Well, look, wait, I, to be honest, so on the on the on the double standards thing, I honestly can't say that I have. Uh, like strong opinions about whether there are double standards like that because I honestly don't know, right? I, I really don't know if if that is you know if 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 like uh, uh, female footballers are like more ready to be shouted at by a coach who's male than female. I I, I don't really know, right? So um, 
I'm not saying the Guardiola Calvin Phillips thing was great either. Yeah. You know, I, I think Vera Powell actually says when she mentioned it, she's like, I never would have said something like that, for example. Yeah. You know, but like it's not as though Guardiola it has, you know, a, a long investigation published into his, you know. So let, let's just um, have a look at some of the, the details here. And again, as I said, this is a very long piece, so I won't cover them all. If you want to see them all, it's all there uh, on the Athletic. Um, but, you know, so sources from the Dash say Pau would make numerous comments about player size and weight. She, quote, she would just tell this player constantly she was too big, too slow. I saw the a shift of her going to the gym of training every single day. A lot of us had to get extra work somewhere because uh, Vera's training was awful, but this player was taking it to a new level, not not eating. Uh, then maybe a few weeks in, the player lost a little bit of, mo- ma- probably mostly muscle. Mm. Uh, she's just trying to be smaller. Vera complimented her and said she looked good, like physically, not in training. You know, and, and so... This person uh, says she ended up having to quit, quit soccer because she couldn't play anymore. Vera would not listen. Pau basically denies this. She says she never said anything about the player losing weight. She told me she wanted to lose weight. I told her not to diet. She said basically she never told anyone to eat less. Um, you know, she's asking the medical department, is she doing okay? Um, it's my job to get players fit. I give feedback to a player who's getting fitter. And it's turned into that after I'm telling her it's okay that she lost weight. That's when she brings in Guardiola. If it would have been a male, it wouldn't have happened at all. Look at Guardiola, what he said about Phillips, uh, and so on. There's a quote here. This is from the investigation. Remember that the, um, the, the joint investigation mm-hmm. we mentioned first. So this is, again, sort of towards the top of this article. They're, they're talking about stuff that was in this investigation. A player, there's a quote, a player had raised concerns to Pau that Pau's mistreatment had caused the teammate's eating disorder. Uh, end quote. Pau denied having any role in the player's eating disorder. Um, she actually says, she told the investigation that the reporting player should have taken responsibility in, as an adult for her teammate. Like the, res- the reporting player should have sort of got involved and said, oh, this is a situation, you know, what should yeah. we do? Um, okay, so, so that's... That's one sort of um, area uh, of things. You know, she says it's completely false to say she would comment on player size weight, what they're eating. She never has weighing scales in the dressing room. I don't want to know the weight. I only look at how they perform on the pitch, how they execute their tasks. If anything, I've advised them to eat more. They were going to the game not eating at all or not eating enough. So she says she didn't even know the player's weights. I mean, I was thinking, I was struck by that and, and, and thinking of Alex Ferguson talking about praising Cristiano Ronaldo for playing uh, all throughout his 33 kilos below his natural weight um, because uh, he felt that it helped his pace a little yeah. bit. Um, Fergie also in that book, it was one of his books, um, is praising AP McCoy for being how many kilos under his natural weight of 75 kilos? Oh, God. Seven? Twelve. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, so he, he certainly was well-informed on uh, players' weights. Now, again, for, I, I cite Ferguson because Ferguson is like the big example of how to manage a football team. But also, it's kind of a... It's like a dynamic that's almost defined by abuse. Yeah. Like, literally, the, the hairdryer is like the most famous... You know, the, the biggest cliche about Alex Ferguson's management is literally an abusive terrain in someone's face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're, 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 yeah, you're, I mean, you're falling short in certain key indicators yeah, yeah. and that <laughs> needs to change fast or yeah. you're going to be out of here. You know, the, I think, well, I mean, the argument maybe is that female sport shouldn't, it shouldn't have to follow the male game in that respect, that it can, it can create a different culture rather than just kind of mimicking the male football culture. Yeah. And that the, there would be a hope that that, that that is how female sport would develop. Mm. But I mean, to me, it, it seems, as someone who's, who's, who's sort of grown up and I suppose been conditioned in their outlook by watching, you know, men's football and paying attention to mm. the kind of culture of it, it doesn't, to me, seem uh, in any way unusual that a coach of a, of a team that's supposed to be playing at a, at a high level will take an interest in the physical fitness of the players and will criticize players yeah. who they feel are not yeah. fit enough. You know, th- that seems kind of normal uh, to me. Um, but, you know, as as we see in this piece, the, the, there are maybe cultural differences, um, you know, cultural differences between countries, cultural differences that arise in different sports, which can uh, create issues. Anyway, so that that's that's one of the areas. Uh, it's, it is stuff that I, I feel is so was ground that was sort of seen seen before i didn't really say anything here that was like that struck me as like oh this is a new thing that i didn't yeah. sort of think it happened so there are these instances of of you know as the article says power's behavior two instances when players claim power's behavior turned physically aggressive 
Several witnesses, staff and players, say they saw Pau grab a staffer around the neck or collarbone area and shove her at halftime of an away game early in the season. Pau said two players were verbally exploding and a staff member wanted to intervene. I stopped her. I said, stop, sit down, calm down, everybody. That's my job. I never pulled the collar. I maybe put a hand on the shoulder. Could be. It's absolutely untrue to say it this way. So... You know, this is the kind of thing. It, a play, player C says it was not like a friendly hand on the shoulder or pat or whatever. It was aggressive. It's a high intensity environment, but in brackets, past touch was not just intensity. It was aggression. Um, Pow, uh, you know, that someone else says uh, no one else does any co- Pau reports. Pow saying mm-hmm. no one else does any coaching in this locker room except for me. Uh, multiple sources said Pau specifically told the assistant they were not to talk and Pau was coach. Pau denies this happened. I've never used the word shut up. Uh, I've never been physically aggressive my whole life to anyone, even as a kid. Um, so again, and there's there's another sort of incident. Player C says uh, uh, Vera goes, this is a player is kind of running, doing like a warm down or mm. kind of a, maybe she's a, an unused substitute doing a bit of exercise after the game as you see them do after games. Um, player C said, Quote, Vera goes up to her, tells her like, hey, what are you doing? This isn't the running I want you to do. She just said something like, I'm just doing this running. That's what I'm going to do. And turned away. And Vera grabbed her by the arm aggressively and yanked her back. And the player was like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Player B also witnessed the incident and said, Pau grabbed the player's arm. She said, I wouldn't say it was so aggressive, but I was concerned for the player. Um, so, you know, again, um, this, this, this further uh, details there, but but Pau is kind of saying, uh, you know, I'm, I don't do this. I'm always protecting the players and so on and so forth. Mm. So then there's another kind of section of, uh, according to former Dash employees, Pau insisted on control over all aspects of the team, including overriding decisions made by staff or medical personnel. If anyone spoke up, Pau often singled that person out in front of the team. You know, she de- staffer A, she definitely berated assistance. She definitely was not tactful in talking about players. We were supposed to run all our ideas or feedback or information through her. And so... You know, that goes on. So what does Vera Pau say? When asked if she wanted total control in Houston, in quotes, Pau said, completely. How is this an allegation of abuse? I will control the training loads of loads of the players. Uh, uh, sorry, I will control the training loads of the players. I want the control that they actually get food. I gave up hours and sports scientists to save money to bring in food to take care of the players. Um, she she was getting advice, she says, from Raymond Verheyen, who's someone we've, we've spoken yep. about before in the podcast. She says he's the best in the world as a sports scientist. Um, do I want total control of the program? Yes. I have the best people around me in the world. Okay. Now, here is, here is a section that I thought was interesting, culture. And this is, uh, this is uh, the well opens with player B saying, I think that was the biggest moment that I thought, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Uh, referring to the build-up to the last game of the season in a away match against the North Carolina Courage, a match which they went on to lose 5-0, I think it says. Players described a team meeting in which, instead of a pre-game talk, Pau showed a PowerPoint presentation and spoke to the squad about the cultural differences between countries. The players said they felt it seemed like these were not general personality traits of different nationalities, but things Pau disliked about players from those countries. Um... So uh, so this is a quote from Player B. She put up England, and then she put characteristics. Extremely confrontational, extremely arrogant. She said Americans were extremely selfish and individualistic. She put up South Africa and said, very agreeable, a big melting pot, so you can't really describe them. She brought a couple of South African players into, uh, yeah. uh, into the so team. So what's this about then? Well, Pau says uh, that... She uh, decided there, there had been some row uh, with the team where she said they were going to have a meeting and uh, the players were like, oh, what are we doing? Uh, another meeting, Ugh, you know, annoyed. Uh, but she said uh, she decided it would be helpful to introduce the theory of Hofstede's cultural dimensions, a framework used to understand the differences in culture across countries. So what's this? This is a guy called uh, Gert Hofstede, who is uh, like a Dutch a uh, social psychologist or anthropologist who um, uh, died only a couple of years ago, aged uh, over 90, uh, who, had, who, who developed this model in the 60s when he was working in some capacity at IBM. 
Mm. So like the, the classic, like uh, big corporation, uh, let's study this. You know, uh, we, we live in a world where everything can be solved with statistics. Let's study uh, what's going mm. on here and try. And so he, he basically developed this uh, idea of where he would, he would rate uh, cultures like national cultures across six different um, variables. Um, which uh, were uh, power distance, uh, which has to do with to what extent in this society do people think, you know, well, the boss is the boss and we're down here and that's fine and that there's a hierarchy and you got to respect the hierarchy. Yeah. And to what extent are they more kind of egalitarian? Well, you know, we're all sort of the same and, you know, um, individualism versus collectivism, which is like... Uh, well, I mean, yeah, you know, individualism, masculinity versus femininity. In this instance, masculinity is meant to be stuff like, I am a great uh, success. I go out and uh, I make money. I win medals. I, I beat my chest. I eat red mm. meat. And femininity is like, I like to look after people in the group. You know, I'm a sort of group focused. You know, like- this kind of stuff. Total. It's very Ken and Casey, nineteen sixties. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it it is to a it is to a certain extent, right? Um, I think so. There's always like methodological issues with these types of things. But look, he, he's he the guy's trying. Yeah, right. He is trying to to build some type of a model. Yeah, to help people understand cultural differences, the impact of them, and how you know perhaps a company like IBM, but it doesn't have to be them. Yeah, could. Uh, could use this knowledge to help things work better. Uh, uncertainty avoidance is another dimension. You know, to what extent is this society one where people go, well, we know how things work. These, these, uh, this is what we believe. These are the principles everyone should adhere to. And anyone who questions those is kind of, you know, uh, suspect or deviant. And, or to what extent it's like, hey, you know, why don't we just try new things and, you know, mm. try new ideas. And, we, you know, we don't really know, but let's just try stuff. Um, long-term orientation. Like, to what extent are you a society that says, no, I'm not going to go to the pub because I've got work in the morning? Or to what extent are you saying, I'm, I'm in the pub, come on down? Yeah. You know. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Look, it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, oh, no, sorry. I, I Maybe I've got that mixed up with indulgence, which is the same. <laughs> That's the pub one. Long-term orientation is, you know, do we, do we plan? Do we save? Do we... Do you know? Do we think of how things are going to be in ten years, or do we just sort of try and muddle through and get yeah. you know, just you know, get home at the end of the day? So the, these are sort of sort of his ideas, and I think this is an interesting one. For, first of all, because this, to a large extent, does seem to me like a, a, a cultural, a story of clashing cultures. I mean, for instance, one of the South African players who was brought in uh, or who played for Verpau at Houston Dash was Janine van Wyk, who I think, who I believe is the most capped South African, um, like 150 caps or maybe mm. maybe more, you know, South African player who said, um, there's a quote from her in an interview, certain players may have mistaken this for a certain kind of abuse because they may not have been challenged enough by other coaches at an earlier stage to get the most out of themselves. Her attitude is, obviously reminds me a little bit of, say, I remember speaking years ago to Damien Duff, uh, who talked about a coach that he'd had at Blackburn, Alan Irvine, who was like a complete, uh, who, who Damien Duff loved, but yeah. who was like one of these really tough coaches. Yeah. Right? One of these like, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm not going to say your shit, <laughs> but what was it Duff said? Like you, you want to rocket up the backside yeah. or something like this. He he was a dispenser of rockets. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. wasn't like a, everyone. You know, yeah. so guys, they, you, you all turn around, and give yourselves a good pat on the back. He's like, yeah. you all deserve a kick in the arse after the disgrace that I've seen out there. And from from Duff's point of view, he he liked that. He responded well to that. But you could easily imagine how another so the clash of cultures you're talking about basically is between the American culture. And the culture that Vera is coming from, the the footballing culture that Vera Pau grew up in. Well, for example, see how this is uh, how, see how this is characterised um, by by one of the uh, players who's quoting. You know, she put up England and she put characteristics extremely confrontational, extremely arrogant. She said Americans were extremely selfish and individualistic. Now, if you look at like America on this and they, the Hofstede Insights site, which I think has got, uh, they mention. Uh, the great Ger Hofstede on their uh, sort of about us and they provide a handy little web tool where you can sort of put in different countries and look at them mm. uh, and see how they rank on these uh, on these various dimensions and obviously the United States you know if you think about the United States just what, when you consider it now in your in your mind's eye 
individualistic culture somewhat? Or rugged individualism. Would you say it's somewhat individualistic? I I would say yes. Well, according to the data collected by the the Hofstadter crowd, yes, uh, individualistic. Uh, the United States is a, scores ninety one. I think these are zero to one hundred mm. um, variables. The United States is, has one of the highest um, scores for individualism, um, which is um, basically. I mean, I guess it, it sort of does what it says in the tin, you know. Uh, but but this is characterized by the player as Americans are selfish. Now I don't. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is that American. That, that the culture of America, the culture of the United States relative to other cultures is highly individualistic. That's not saying Americans are selfish. Maybe somebody could listen to it and pick that up from mm. it, but that, that isn't really what it's saying. I mean, as Fear Powell says, that's not, um, that's not um, what I said at all. But I guess maybe that's what some of her players heard her saying. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's, and, and, you know, ultimately, if, if, if someone hears you say, if, if someone thinks that's what you're saying, that's what they think you said, you know? Mm. And, they, you know, they can, things will, will kind of go on from there. I mean, she says, you know, selfish is, the tone is completely false. Selfish is not a word I'm using. I said Dutch people like me are very direct. I put different countries and different cultures into that theory. I didn't make it up. I just showed what the theory brought, an internationally highly respected theory on intercultural dimensions. Confrontational is not a word that is part of this theory. Selfish is not a word in the theory. Agreeable is not a word in the theory. That's what they made of it. Players after the meeting came to me and said, that's interesting. Um, So, you know, you you often hear this from sort of Dutch uh, football people. You know, they like to say say straight you know I'm a straight talker why are you wearing those ugly clothes <laughs> for example yeah <laughs> uh, you look terrible today what, you know, what is wrong mm. uh, and perhaps in, in Ireland we'd be a bit more indirect yeah. with these types of very different top you have things on. yeah I mean the striking differences between Ireland and the Netherlands when I put them into this little web tool mm. of course uh, you did Ireland and the Dutch I should say I, yeah. put, I, put, I put us I put the Dutch the Americans and the the Irish in here mm. Uh, there are two generally similar enough uh, we're a bit less individualistic than the Dutch or the or the Americans um, we've got that we're the most sort of egalitarian in you know in the, the power distance is a bit less I thought maybe Holland or yeah. Netherlands I should say would be the lowest on that because they're always like hey you know we like to talk things out why should we listen to some what some Pope has to say about stuff <laughs> you know some Pope sitting there mm. what are you the Pope of this you know uh, now the the two differences the two, the two dimensions for Ireland and, and the Netherlands are very different are masculinity femininity apparently Ireland even more so than the United States is a highly masculine culture at least uh, in so far as yeah. this theory is whereas the Dutch is one of the most feminine uh, around at least you know maybe it's a it's a kind of a you know, it's not a case of just going around boasting about your wealth and success you know with your fleet of supercars and your crypto empire mm. you know that's that's not what the Dutch, you know, get a kick out of. Whereas in Ireland and the United States, we, we obviously we we like that. We do, we like that. Uh, and the other big difference was in long-term orientation. The Dutch, long-term orient- oriented very much, very much so. I save, I scrimp, I save. Uh, and one day in the future, I will be uh, one of the elect uh, taken to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Ireland and the United States, no. I have it, I spend it. <laughs> you know so what's today is good who cares about tomorrow anyway I've got I've gone I've gone down a, yeah. uh, I've what, got sidetracked what, what is basically the upshot of all this then I mean we you know we our World Cup campaign is starting very very soon the 20th of July yes what is the impact of this uh, extremely exhaustive uh, article in, uh, in the athletic do you think there is do you think there is anything that the FAI need to say about this uh, this article or is it actually... I'm sure that the FA are going to be looking at this with interest. Now, from my point of view, I was reading through it, you know, and this, I give now a personal opinion. When I looked at this, I was I was reading through it, trying to find something that struck me as being very bad. Yeah. You know, but yeah. beyond beyond the usual. There's all, in any group, there's always going to be people who think the boss is obnoxious, who don't like the manner of the boss, who feel disrespected. You know, obviously, if you, sometimes you like a person and that, you know, say, say Duff with that coach at Blackburn, yeah. you know, he, he basically respected the guy. And so when he, he received what 
might have sounded like abuse. He kind of took it for granted that the guy was saying it for his benefit or was on his side. Yeah. And wasn't just like some guy who was, who was abusing him to try and destroy him. Yeah. You, you, know, you know what I mean? I, I use the word abu- abusing in the sense of... Yeah, mm, verbal. Ab- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm looking through this and I can't... There's nothing really that strikes me as being, well, this seems like mm. a real, you know, she's she's got a... But but again, it's 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 a lot of also of uh, he said she said or she said she said you know in the sense that power kind of flatly denies a lot of the claims, um, some of the claims that are made. You know, there's like, did she push this person? Did she grab the arm too aggressively? You know, again, it's 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 sort of hard to know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, the I, picture I, this painted is of perhaps someone that. You know, it might not be a, a massive amount of fun to be a player in a Vera Pau team, mm. but if you're an Irish footballer at the moment, I think it's. Well, I think you're fairly unlikely to complain about her a week before or they head uh, to the World Cup. You know, uh, I I suspect if there are going to be complaints from the Irish team, and, and that's that's an interesting point as well. The only Irish player who comes up in this is Tyler Toland, who. Um, as the article says, former Man City midfielder Tyler Tolan became the Republic of Ireland's youngest senior player at the age of 16 in 2017. She lost a lot of weight at the end of 2019 after Power was appointed. She has not been selected for Ireland since. She now plays for Levante in Spain. And there's a quote from her father, Morris. This is from May 2021. Uh, he said, Vera she looked too leggy. Her legs had got 10 centimetres bigger since she moved to City. Suggested that she would pick up an ACL injury if she maintained the training she was doing. That's another theme of the article that Vera Powell seems to, according to these testimonies, seems to think that if players do weight training, that it increases their chance of getting an ACL injury. And she's it's always been a massive she's encouraged them not, not to do these football, things, yeah. not, to, not to sort of go to the gym and pound the weights because you end up causing your body to grow in ways which maybe increase the risk of injury. This is this seems to be a theory where Powell has. I'm sure there are people who, who say that's wrong. That's not really what we're talking about here. Um, Powell, on the, on the subject of Toland, says, how could I have said it? I knew the player for two days. This is the thing about your legs have grown 10 centimetres. Yeah. How could I have said it? I knew the player for two days. How do I know her legs have grown? Uh, it is true, said Powell. She told Tolan she would suffer an ACL injury if she maintained the weight training she was doing. I have said that. She said the risk was huge. I've warned many players about it. In relation to the weight loss, Powell says it's something she wasn't aware of as she hardly saw Toland as her international manager. She was away. She's on the screen. What does it have to do with me? Man City. This I thought was an interesting quote. This is from Vera Pau. Yeah. Man City didn't play her. Glasgow City hardly played her. Celtic hardly played her. Levante hardly plays her. The big games, she's not in. Who did I think of when I read that? It's probably because he was in my head. I saw the, f- the football heritage clip. Someone sent it to me. as Jose. The football heritage clip. It just uh, has a bit in it where he's like, <clears throat> where he's going through, you know, Man City are great and Man United are shit. You know, yeah. he's he's in his uh, way, but he's but he's like, look at the players who have been sold by our club, where they play, how they play, if they play. You know what I mean? He, and 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 I just I, when I saw that when she kind of went through all those clubs, I thought, yeah. mm, well, I'm not, I don't like that quote, yeah, because it's like she, it's it strikes me as a bit gratuitous, yeah, you know. You, I don't think there's any need for her to kind of bury Tyler Toland like this. You know, maybe she's, uh, her career, she's obviously been at a few clubs. I don't think there's any need for Vera Powell. But this is something Vera Powell says about herself. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I I don't want to say if I'm, if I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that to me, I thought that, that quote was interesting. And this is her, her quote with with her name attached. Um, uh, I thought that was a little. That sounded a little bit vindictive, you know, in the sense. Obviously, mm. she's she's responding to criticism, and she's apparently had a, had a uh, an exchange with the with the father of this player. You know, I think he had called her, and they had some words, you know, and and uh, but um, yeah. So so again, look, Fierpao is going to be doing a press conference on Thursday, or, or rather, not on Thursday. The games on aren't mm. playing France on Thursday. She should be doing the press conference on Wednesday. So I'm sure uh, we'll hear again what she has to say. I mean, there's plenty of her in this article. I haven't given all the quotes. There's a lot more stuff. I and mean, there's, there's another kind of extraordinary thing she claims. Uh, some of the players complained that she would take their pulse um, 
sometimes even without a watch, you like, you know, take their mm. pulse, I, I suppose, from their wrist or, from, I don't know, from their neck. And uh, and she says, yeah, you know, I, um, uh, I what was, I'll give you the exact quote. Uh, she says, um, that's what makes me so good. I'm so experienced that I know exactly after a few seconds where the heart rate is. I mean, that's a claim. That's a claim that she makes. She doesn't need. She doesn't need to time the pulses by a watch mm. to to know where know where the what the heart rate is. And uh, I I lack the. Uh, I certainly couldn't do that myself, but I haven't been coached for as long as Fear Power. So uh, this is. I mean, it's a it's a big story, you know, in, in the sense of it's a very long story. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of detail in it. Um, I must say I haven't seen like a, a, a something that w- that really moves it on much. It kind of is it's, it's fleshing out the sorts of things that had already been said. As I mentioned, Ripow kind of denies a lot of this, and, and I guess we'd be hearing more about what she makes of it on Wednesday. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm having a buzz floating around. Anyone wants to not give me a shell? I don't like the name him because, you know, I, I actually think he's a very good writer. Mm. But it, it was that. This was a dig at football people who know the game, using statistics uh, to try and undermine people who have eyes, ears, and common sense. What I'm saying is that sometimes the eyes and ears mislead you. The ears, particularly if it's Paul Merson talking to them, might mislead you. This was a dig at football people who know the game. You know, the balls I'm a proper debate. Love to debate him. You could sell tickets for that. All I have to back it up are facts. <laughs> All I have to back it up is the factual record of what, of what took place. Bring it on. This was a, a dig at football people who know the game. He's the one who's on the attack. Don't forget, hmm. and has been for some time without naming people. He, he mentioned pundits. Hmm. Well, who are the football pundits? <laughs> <laughs> I think they call that one a verbal broadside. You've been on the attack, Ken, but you don't have... You just don't have what it takes to name names. You don't have the balls, Ken. You don't have the stones. <laughs> <laughs> don't have the balls. Yeah, I don't want to put them down. But they seem to want to prove that you don't need to know anything about football to write about it. This was a dig at football people who know the game. You don't have the balls, Ken. You don't have the stones. Uh, I think we've covered Arsene Wenger's suggestion about the offside rule uh, on the show before, Ken, but, uh, and we may have even laughed at it. I mean, I don't know, laugh might be a strong word, but we may have poured cold water on this as an idea. But it turns out Arsene Wenger's idea on the offside rule might actually be coming in. Is this correct? Yeah, well, I mean... We might remind our listeners of the idea in the first place. Well, obviously, everybody knows that, that VAR offsides sometimes are are pretty dumb, you know, in the sense of we, we got, okay, it's offside. Is it even yeah. actually offside? Oh, no, it's offside. It's, a, it's an absolute rule. But, yeah, actually, there's there's a limited frame rate, and we don't even know. And sometimes yeah. the camera angles are Limited ridiculous. frame rate. Oh, there is. It's, the second you say that, you know you're Yeah, yeah, you're we're, just we're, in we're, in, we're into this yeah. angel's head of a pin nonsense, yeah. which nobody likes. It's, it's, it's rubbish. And in my opinion, the obvious solution is just 
just go back to the yeah. way that it always was and actually was fine all that time. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. But instead, Arsene Wenger seems to think that this could be solved if instead of this, uh, the current rule where like if, you know, a tiny little bit of the player's potentially goal-scoring anatomy is the, the attacker is ahead of the last defender, then he's offside. What about if we changed it so that the player, the attacker would only be offside if all of his goal-scoring potentially goal-scoring anatomy, mm. which is, you know, from the head to the toes uh, and also down to the shirt sleeves. Um, if they're wearing a short shirt. shirt yeah, shirt. gotcha. All of that was clear of the last defender, mm. which I mean, you know, which... So you, we're still talking about limited frame rate, basically. Well, the problem, the it, it yeah. literally doesn't solve the obvious the problem because no. because it just shifts it to the other side, side of the. It's like is that little hacker. bit of his boots still in line with the with the you know the defender who's trying to cover or who's trying to play him offside rather? I mean, so so from that point of view, this is just stupid. Mm. But in terms of what it could do to the game, if you were to. Uh, if you were to liberalize the offside rule to that extent that you could have like a full body start effectively mm. on a defender and, and be onside, I, mean, I think that's just like, that's could a you, massive change. Could you see strikers like getting down into the crouch position like they were running at 100 meters? So their, their left foot is all the way back, touching the halfway line. Well, I mean, why not? Like, I mean, okay, you're, you're at a standing... Uh, uh, you're you're at a standing start there. I'm not sure, that, but I do feel like you can. The defender isn't really in control of the offside line anymore. I mean, they kind of are, but actually, the attacker can stay on side and still be ahead of them. Mm. So, what's the wh- what do you do if you're a defender? Um, it makes it much more difficult to play an offside trap. Mm. You're going to have to you're going to have to basically drop deeper. You can't like you can the guy can have a start on you and yeah. still be onside. I mean, I think the and that's that's yeah. so so so. What's the the effect of that? Is that you can forget about basically everything the, the entire way that football has developed over the last twenty years. Maybe people don't like it, um, but you know this the, the entire concept of pressing mm. is based on playing offside as well. You know what I mean? Like it, it's all about squeezing. The space, which a def- you know a defensive line pushes up to minimise the space that the team that has the ball has to play in, and increases the chance of winning the ball back by this kind of pressing. Yeah. If you can't, <clears throat> if you can't compress the space because the defenders are kind of, I mean, they can still do it, but it's a much more dangerous situation. Players can hang off them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it sounds like I'm not opposed to the idea. I am opposed to the idea of it being brought in because of VAR, (laughs) you know, or that being kind of like the reason to do it. Well, the other other reason is like, well, there'd be more goals. Like that's, I mean, well, first of all. No one's really complaining about the lack of goals, are they? Yeah, I don't really think we're in a situation with football where where everyone is like, oh no, this this has to change. Yeah, another nil all. I can't stand it. You know, that's what we were all thinking walking away from the World Cup final. Oh my God, this game is in a terrible state. Um, but, uh, But I mean... They're not Gaelic. It's, they're not running Gaelic football, FIFA. Like, but it's, it seems to me that what you have is a situation where, if defenders are going to have to defend deeper, yeah. and there's not going to be as much pressing, then you're going to get like a kind of a, a, a slower tempo game, which is with with deeper defenses and more counterattacking. Yeah. Like pressing has been nothing but a good thing for football. I think you can you can say for the for the like the spectacle. Yeah, I mean, people will argue about that. You know, people will argue about that because because. Obviously, what it does is it means that without a certain base level of athleticism, you can't play the sport anymore. Yeah. And actually, people quite like the idea of, like, chain-smoking yeah. um, midfield, you know, number 10s. We were calling for a succession of them to be in the Ireland team for about 15 years there. Yeah. Uninterrupted. I don't know if they're necessarily chain-smokers, but they, they, weren't, weren't they weren't pressing machines. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there there is, you know, maybe... Maybe that is the direction that people want to go to. I mean, maybe it's it's more of a kind of Euro 84 vibe. You know, that was a pretty good tournament, I guess. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I kind of have a feeling that the, that the way things are organized now, it would be less fun this time around. <laughs> it would be, it would, you know, maybe, maybe this, if the space can't be compressed by the defense in the same way because they're worried about all these used formerly offside, but now onside, but like, 
already mm. with a with a start on them players. Um, maybe then it opens up more space in midfield for people to take their time and be a bit leisurely and pick passes and be creative. You know, because that's a that's a complaint that people have about pressing. It it forces the game to be too fast, and it forces it kind of it squeezes the creativity out. Mm. Actually, it just means the creativity has to be faster. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can still do it. It just it's more difficult. It's a higher. It's a sort of a higher level. It just seems to me like a kind of a backward step, which doesn't actually solve the problem. It's going to it's going to solve, and may not result in the uh, better entertainment that they're anyway. They're talking about trying again a couple of leagues and um. And you're bloody appalled. Well, you know, I've, I've, I have reached the age where all of these changes disgust me. But I do think this is particularly <laughs> stupid. I do think this is a terrible idea. Yeah. So I've, I, I've, I've given it my... Um, that's how... Listen, you know, Ken. I'm grinding my gears about that. People want to hear about your thoughts on the transfer window. Who, at the moment, is top of the transfer window table? Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson is winning the... Crystal Palace Manager 2023-24. Confirmed. Wow. So... Uh, Some man. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I mean, because obviously he came in and just bounced Crystal Palace right yeah. up that table, and uh, and he gets another go. He gets another go in the in the prem. So that's uh, that's obviously good. What's happening is basically loads of players, uh, a lot of players uh, uh, being bought and sold for sixty million pounds. That's the new kind of mm. basic price for a, a midfielder, um, about sixty million pounds, seventy million euros, or thereabouts. Uh, Sandro Tonali has joined uh, Newcastle from Milan for about 60 million euros, I think, in that case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dominic Sobosly has joined Liverpool from Orbi Leipzig for 60 million pounds, 70 million euros. The Hungarian international. The Hungarian captain. The 22-year-old Hungarian captain. Wow. That doesn't happen to too many footballers, Ken. No. 22 years old. Nathan Collins. Did he captain Ireland? Uh, Nathan Collins captain Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> that, that non-committal sound was uh, Brano there, literally refusing to put his head on the block, which I, you know, I appreciate. Nathan Collins has joined Brentford for twenty-three million. Oh, I'm not, actually, I'm not sure if he has joined, but apparently this deal is being done, which is which is good, I think, because obviously he'd fallen out of the Wolves team and yep. seemed to appreciate him at Wolves. You know, he's taken his talents to Brentford, and I, for one, I'm glad to see it. I am glad to see. I'm glad to see it too. So, so, so sly at Liverpool. What about um, uh, another man with a couple of Irish caps? No, we, we, he's he's in a higher price bracket. We're talking about the sixty. Oh, million sorry, players. we're just talking about sixty million. Ma- Mason Mount, sixty million. Yeah. <sighs> Chelsea have done pretty well there. Now, not that not that Mason Mount is, you know, he should be captain of England. If you ask me, it, you think Mason? He's, the, se- he's the senior man. <laughs> Mason Mount. As you- <laughs> but how do you mean? No, this is what you said about the Chelsea dressing room. Is Mason Mount the senior man? Well, like he could be the senior man yeah, in Old Trafford now. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, he can. You know, he's. Uh, uh, United evidently decided, look, we've we've got to get him. Mm. We've got to get him. And Chelsea, even though he's only got one year left on his contract, this is why I'm saying I think it's a very good deal for them, um, even though I'm not sure about the overall big picture wisdom of selling a player like him when you are mm. at Chelsea and you've got like a home-produced player who... Yeah. Actually, though, but not all the fans like him, you know? Some yeah, of the fans yeah. think he's just not good enough. Yeah, Others think he's one of our own. Listen, time is also a cost. Yeah, Ken, you know what I mean, and all of the brain power spent trying to negotiate Chelsea down to say forty-five million—that's yeah. a cost too, and now that's a cost Manchester United don't have to pay for the month of July and half of August. It's true before yeah. they finally announce a fi- this amount for fifty-eight million euros or whatever—a fifteen million premium to get him in, into that preseason. Yeah, uh, so hopefully he doesn't pick up any injuries. Uh, they had been talking about signing Andre Nana from. Uh, there was this weird situation with David Haya, mm. you know. Like, they gave him a contract and then sort of yoinked it back. Yeah. Seemed a bit strange. And a little unseemly, let's be honest. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, I also saw something on Twitter, uh, someone tweeting in apparent consternation, what is this, a, a one hour, 49 minute feature length film mocking David De Gea? Someone had basically tweeted, David De Gea, fraud. And the video accompanying the tweet was 109 minutes. Oh, <laughs> now, I don't know if it was like 109 minutes of just, of, of like fresh footage that isn't repeated or if there was a loop in yeah, there. Because I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, 
I'll be Obvious, honest, I, mean, I didn't sit I'm down glad, and watch. I'm, can I just say I'm glad that you could be on your holidays. Let's I was. Be honest. I, I mean, was. We were doing it in, over the course of an office day. Then I, I was standing in the queue. I was standing in the queue uh, at the uh, airport uh, check-in desk, and I was looking at it. And I was, and I did watch the first minute or so. So I am one of the like nine million people or so who yeah. apparently viewed this David yeah. De Gea film. David De Gea fraud. <laughs> Runtime one hundred and nine minutes, uh, I, and it just it just showed yeah. him. It just showed him making saves as a star, but I assume that was kind of the narrative was like, oh, you think oh, he's that good, do you? Yeah. Well, here's some other stuff he's done. Now, I don't know how they managed to string it out that long. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't watch it. But that's what, you know, that's... that's like 109 <laughs> minutes is... Like, On his if, wedding day. Yeah, yeah. If the, <laughs> if, if the Marvel movies were 109 minutes, I'd be a lot more inclined to watch all of them, you know? Yeah. 109 minutes from the point of view of the Marvel universe is actually a good, solid running time. But football clips... of abuse. That's a bit much. Uh, yeah, well, look, that was uh, um, Onana. Um, uh, apparently, Inter maybe have priced them out, but you know, are you not ever really priced out? Andre Onana can do a lot of the things that David De Gea gets criticised for not being able to do, mm. which he showed in the Champions League final when he was essentially playing in midfield for the last uh, twenty minutes of the game, <laughs> and it's pretty useful. But uh, they have to decide whether he's he's worth the apparently fifty million Inter are looking mm. for. Um, uh, Havertz to Arsenal, sixty-five million. That happens, I think, just before or when I was in Greece. Mm. Madison to Spurs is is forty million. Um, is he sixty million? Apparently not. Not not when your team has just been relegated. Yeah. So he's uh, gone to Tottenham. Uh, Bayern were bidding for Harry Kane, sixty million. Not enough. <laughs> Although I don't know. I mean, again, that's something they're going to have to figure out as it as it gets closer to the track. I mean, I think they should sell him because, like, what's the point yeah. at this point? Well, what really? What is the point? Um, it just boils down to how much Harry Kane wants to beat Alan Shearer's rec- Premier League record. But maybe he could go somewhere in the, you know, in the, well, I mean, in the, the Premier the, League. The, the, the Bayern will factor that into their thinking as well presumably that Levy mm. uh, uh, really doesn't want to sell to another Premier League club I mean yeah. selling to, to Bayern Munich even if they have turned down 60 million I mean that's a pretty good result for if, you're Ange, wow. if you're Ange if you're Ange and you're the new Tottenham manager and you're looking at Harry Kane and he kind of obviously outranks you at the club mm. not that he's a, not that he's an egomaniac no, but a guy or anything yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he's a sure top, he's a he's a top professional he's yeah. a really he's a top professional but you know are you thinking I do I, I do I want this Harry Kane maybe Maybe he doesn't want to be there. Mm. You know, he's in. The, maybe I mean, he's if I'm Ange, I want him to be sold and pretty quickly as well. Yeah, let's just get on with life here. You, you know what I mean? Again, I'm, I, I don't say this because I've been talking to Ange. I'm speculating. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if in, in Ange's position, I would probably be like, let's get some money for him and buy some players I want. Yeah, he's he's very good, but like in a year's time, he may be he may be gone somewhere else. And that for the money that I and if he used. plays for us this year, it's just going to be a series of, you know, like Brian O'Driscoll's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, retirement period. Your last ever trip to Brentford, Harry. Yeah, uh, exactly. You've had a lot of great memories here at Brentford. Uh, in a Tottenham shirt. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned the big man. Uh, in a higher price category from all the players this mentioned. Okay. Declan Rice is going to go to Arsenal, it looks like. And... This is one where Manchester City have made Arsenal really show how highly they rate Declan Rice. They've really made Arsenal show just how special they consider Declan Rice to be by forcing the price up to 105 million. Mm. I think so. Just he, he just fanned the flames. They just fanned the flames of Arsenal's desire for Declan Rice. That's all. What What do you think they're actually doing there? Having a laugh. That, it literally having like a laugh that. it does like, seem just, like that yeah. right? it's like oh you want to oh, yeah we, yeah actually we'll throw in a little yeah, bid yeah. which is a bit higher than yours or structured in a nicer way from Arsenal's point of view and see what you uh, see what you're going to do because I suppose you know if they're going to bring in Rice uh, they would then have Rice and Grealish who are the two yeah. the, the two top characters in, in yeah. the English national Banter team Banter Kings and they could use him as a kind of a Stones type player or a, you know or as a uh, oh, an Ake player, you know, an Ake in yeah. Atlanta or Diaz. You know, they could. There's a lots. Of, he's a pretty versatile player. I think they were just forcing Arsenal to pay mm. extra. I think that's what they were. I honestly think that's what. They're, no way to prove it. No way to prove no. it. Nothing. Nothing. And nothing wrong with it either. Listen, sure, all's fair in love and war. Arsenal were desperate to get this guy. Didn't have a plan B. You know, in terms of now, it's got to be Rice, uh, and so weren't in a position to say, okay, you buy him then. 
and see see what would have happened at, at that point. They really didn't want that to Particularly happen. Particularly when the person you're bidding against could actually just buy him for a laugh as well. Mm. I mean, they could bid for a laugh. And then they like, could also buy him for a laugh. Oh, this has cost us a... Well, all right. <laughs> now, they instead, City have signed uh, Kovacic from Chelsea. Brilliant player. 25 million. Cheaper than all the others mm. uh, discussed. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he's exactly the type of player you could see doing really well for Man City. I mean, the only thing about Kovacic at this point in his career, I mean, he's nearly 30, is that he does get injured a little bit. Mm. He's had a few of these. He's kind of a guy who gets small injuries quite uh, often. Um, but City are better than any other team at keeping players fit. You know, at least the last season they had fewer days missed or fewer games missed through injury than anyone else. So they probably think, yeah, you know, Gunnion is gone to Barcelona. This guy can do a lot of what he does. I mean, he's just a really versatile. He doesn't score as much as Gunnion, uh, but he is a really good technical player and yeah they they continue they continue to go from strength to strength and also his beefy young his beefcake young compatriot Josco Guardiol is probably going to be joining Man City so this is Pep Guardiola's evolution into an admirer of big young men no really because the whole thing about Barcelona was oh you know I've reinvented the game so that you know even the centre back is Mascarano he's he's a little guy you know and we've just got all these they're like a swarm of bees Mm. they're all about the size of bees and they work together like bees and they make sweet sweet honey in the form of goals yeah if I had met Pep Guardiola in 2009 you know what I I would have said to him Mm. I would have said Pep you've got a great little team there (laughs) but a good big one will always be the good little one. Well, Guardiola's come around to that because now, he, now he's in take a walk around my new centre half <laughs> territory because this, this guy Guardiola is a big lad but he's also you know what he is? He's a hell of a cultured big lad. Yeah. Oh, he's cultured. Mm. He is He is a cultured guy. He did an unbelievable World Cup but of course the only thing anyone can remember is him getting absolutely destroyed by 35-year-old Lionel Messi. Well, he was very good. Was he not in the team of the tournament? Or he, was, he, he was. was in the squad of the tournament, yeah. certainly. Well, and he deserved was, to be. He was brilliant. He was absolutely one of the brilliant. best young players, certainly, in the tournament people were talking about him before that, that unfortunate episode with Messi. Uh, he'd be the player, young player of the tournament. So again, and that's that's a 100 million euros, I think, to Leipzig. who have sold a lot of their players, Leimer to Bayern and Kunki to Chelsea, sub aside to Liverpool and now Guardiol to uh, to City. So they made a lot of money and need to, uh, they seem to be good at finding mm-hmm. players. The last thing, just, I mean, because we could, obviously there's a lot of this going on, but Chelsea, very interesting summer they're having. Um, of course. You still can't see it, can you? You still can't see the master plan. You're just wandering around in the fog. Well, while Todd Bowley just nah, I mean, move, he's moving you around like a little chess piece. Uh, in there. Yeah, Todd Bowley uh, popping up in Riyadh. You know, we saw that the, towards the end of towards the end of May. He's like, oh, what's Todd doing in Riyadh? Mm. Um, so I'll just read a little from uh, Jacob Seinberg, obviously, as you know, um, covers Chelsea uh, for the Guardian, uh, and he's. Uh, it's worth remembering sources were talking of panic during the final weeks of last season. Multiple insiders, though, have stressed FFP is not a major issue this summer. This is for a team that spent like £600 million on mm. new players. Um, <clears throat> some players who are always going to attract big offers and fears that expensive disappointments on lucrative wages would be unsellable have been eliminated. Fortunately, clubs from the Saudi Pro League have been more than happy to snap up a few of Chelsea's duds. The Premier League is satisfied. There is no conflict of interest presented by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund owning a stake in Clear Lake, a private equity firm based in California, which is where the money for the Chelsea deal mm-hmm. came from. Rival clubs can gripe, but Chelsea say interest in their players is purely transactional. They've managed to offload Kaladu Kulabali to Al Hilal for 17 million <laughs> year after This is like fantastic this is really yeah. good news for Chelsea um, <clears throat> a year after signing the 32 year old for 33.8 million and giving him a four year deal Edward Mendes has gone to Al-Akhli for 16 million mm-hmm. uh, they've seen N'Golo Kante join al had in a free which is probably for the best given the midfielder's poor fitness record so uh, I guess sometimes uh, uh, in a moment of crisis help can come from unexpected sources and that's what's happened here. Unexpected is, is a word that you could use to describe the situation. Mm. There was a confidence to Todd Bowley's spending, which seemed so hard Again, to understand at the time. Uh, where's the light switch? Uh, uh, what's going on? Uh, just this, just this, shut up and trust in Todd, will you? This Bowley is spending more in the manner that you might think of as a, you know, a, 
if he was a, a Saudi prince of some kind. Mm. You know, he's, he's spending like a Saudi prince. Um, but it's just the way that things have, have kind of come into alignment here has just worked out quite well for... for Don't. I feel sorry for the people like you, Ken, who can't believe in miracles and financial miracles, you know? Mm. Just, yeah. to, uh, so just to paraphrase another American from this century. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just your... Speaking of Saudi Arabia, obviously there's lots of people. Ruben Neves went there, you know, like a, a kind of a proper player mm. in the sort of peak years of her career. Bernardo Silva is supposedly considering it. Ooh, a lot of money there. A lot of money on the table. Quite a few Portuguese uh, players um, securing their, their their family's future uh, out, uh, by going out to Saudi Arabia. Obviously, the, uh, Ronaldo being the, the first who went out there. Nuno Espirito Santo is there now as well. And I'm sure there's others I'm forgetting. Uh, Steven Gerrard is going there. Uh, it's reported today um, that he's going to go to uh, uh, Al Edifak in the city of Daman, which is just up the coast from Qatar. Uh, I could have sworn I remember stories about Stephen Jared being a little homesick when he was living in Los Angeles. Mm. Um, but this is not as many hours away, I suppose, from the UK time zone. Maybe it's easier to keep in touch with people on on, um, mm. on WhatsApp or whatever. Um, obviously, we had the story a couple of weeks ago of Robbie Keane going to, not Saudi Arabia in this case, but to Maccabi Tel Aviv, where he has got uh, Rory Delap in with him as his assistant manager. And obviously, uh, Robbie Keane choosing to coach an Israeli club has resulted in a lot of criticism of Robbie Keane. Um, yeah, we, we talked about it a bit last week, yeah. Mm. He said, uh, I'm a football man. I don't want to talk about politics. Um, the difficulty, I suppose, of his position uh, is underlined by the story today um, that I see... Uh, the Guardian reporting at least five Palestinians killed and dozens injured as major Israeli offensive target city of Janine. Israel has launched a major aerial and ground offensive into the West Bank city of Janine, its biggest military operation in the Palestinian territory in years in what it described as an extensive counterterrorism effort. At least eight Palestinians were killed, the story now says, and 50 injured, 10 seriously in the attack that began about 1am on Monday, with the death toll likely to rise, according to the Palestinian Health, Health Ministry. So, another... A grim episode here. Robbie Keane doesn't want to talk about it, um, but I guess uh, he's going to be. Well, I mean, this is this is the decision that he's made. I would have thought he had the luxury of choice. You know, he had the luxury of. Uh, but this is the choice that he's made. So I guess he's he's made his bed and he's got to lie in it. Uh, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be hearing about this decision that he made to coach uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv for a lot longer than he coaches Maccabi Tel Aviv. Hmm. Okay, that's pretty much it, Ken. Paul Flynn and Michael Murphy on the weekend's GA Ireland quarterfinals coming up tomorrow. Brilliant month coming up all told. So thanks many for tuning in today. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Kieran. And don't forget, the Second Captain's podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. It's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.